Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I want to welcome you to our special series of Money Sense, specifically dedicated to providing valuable information regarding the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. For nearly 30 years, I have been helping listeners learn how to relate many of life's situations to their finances. This pandemic has caused wide-scale disruption in nearly every sector of our lives. No matter your personal situation, we strive to meet you where you are at, both financially and emotionally. Our guests during this series include a futurist, economist, physician, psychologist, as well as local Milwaukee business professionals to get their perspective on how you can apply their insight and expertise to your financial future. This important series will be aired on WISN AM 1130 during our regular Money Sense times, which are Saturdays at 2 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at noon. They will also be available on demand at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We hope you will find these informative and be sure to share them with your family and your friends. My guest today is Vivian Sai, and she is the chair of the College Savings Foundation. And as we all know, the whole issue around school, starting school, and um, going back to school, and how is it going to be run has really been up in the air, and it's been so difficult to get our arms around. And I had a really a, a family experience. My granddaughter, Mia, is uh, a senior in high school this year, and she had all these schools that she wanted to go and check out. And of course, everything has been stopped. So she's wondering, will there be a college experience? What should she do? She was looking at um, being a nurse, and now she's decided she wants to be a doctor with everything that's happened. So I'm just curious, Vivian, what's happened you know, with the COVID-19, what are, what are the differences? And if you could give us a little bit of depth for my listeners about what the College Savings Foundation is all about. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. There's a lot there and there is a lot going on in education. Backing up a bit, the College Savings Foundation is an organization we've been around for about 20 years. And what we are is an industry group of college-saving advocates and um, evangelists, people and industry groups who believe very strongly in the importance of saving for college, for higher ed, for post-secondary education. And we do this through 529 college savings plans. Uh, many of your listeners may be familiar with 529 plans as being the investment accounts that families use to put money away for their children um, for when they get to be your granddaughter's age and are looking at launching into college and having the funds available to pay for college at that point. Because as your listeners also know, over the last many years, probably decade or so, we've really seen the cost of college skyrocket. And what's so interesting in these times that we live in right now, I think it's a big reality check to many families around now that our world is somewhat different with regards to on-campus education, 
what exactly is that college experience to the point you made about your granddaughter? What will that look like? I'm living that myself in my own home. I have two college-age sons, um, a sophomore and a junior, who came home in early March and did remote learning for the rest of their academic years. And I can tell you that wasn't the college experience I had (laughs) all those decades ago. Um, Well, you know, we've been experiencing job loss. I mean, so many people are out of work and many of those people will never go back to work in the same capacity that they did. The jobs could be gone. And part of the whole experience, as you said, costs money to have that college experience. And people have had the opportunity to save, but there's gonna be this gap where they aren't gonna have time to save for maybe younger children that they were saving. They're gonna have to stop funding things What is the impact of that going to be? Well, I I think it's going to be fairly tremendous. I I still, I think that the the first lesson is that saving ahead is always a good thing. The reality is if there's no money to be saved right now because all of the money being earned um, or in savings is paying for our daily lives, that is the reality of it and everyone should be paying for their immediate needs first and foremost and maybe retirement needs secondarily college isn't really the 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 focus it's what do you do after high school where do you invest in yourself in education and that might be in an apprenticeship program for skilled trade that might be for community college so it's really that doesn't go away. So to the extent that that individuals and their families can put together $10 a month, $20 a month against an educational future, they can continue to do that. And in lieu of that, there are opportunities in, in public education right now. I think we see that a lot in trends where I believe young people, at least in my own personal community, I see uh, many families turning towards making changes to their plans uh, for college and post-secondary by going to community college, as an example, or taking a gap year and seeing how things turn out if their families have been furloughed or parents have lost income that they will take a pause and reevaluate what that next year or four years looks like. We do this every year through the College Savings Foundation where we have for the last 11 years surveyed young people across the country in what their plans are for college or post-secondary and what their plans are with regards to paying for that. Because as I mentioned, that's been a big part of our decision-making process for the past decade or so. As, as college costs have just skyrocketed. So it, it was important to the College Savings Foundation to really understand what young people are doing to pay for that. And this year, given the fact that we do survey uh, young people in the April timeframe, It happened to be right in the midst of the early days of the pandemic when we were putting together our questionnaire and thought it was really important to get a pulse on what 
our young people were thinking with regards to college savings with the backdrop of the pandemic and what that might mean for them. Some of the, um, the findings that we came back with shouldn't be surprising. 37% of students, and we survey students who are sophomores, juniors, and seniors in high school, 37% of these young people said that their post-high school plans will change, um, that they will potentially choose a community college to save on costs. That was 40% of those surveyed. In prior years, you saw different statistics because private college was perhaps where a lot of young people tended to default when it comes to their higher ed dreams because cost wasn't number one on their radar. 25% of these young people we're looking at a potential gap year. So these are really, um, really quite significant findings. Again, perhaps not so surprising in light of what's happened, but kind of speaks to your, to your inquiry. Well, I know that we've been through, I've been through at my age, so many different experiences that I can relate to and I know that they've impacted my lives, but for most of these, these children, they haven't gone through any type of a major experience other than this pandemic. And I know that your study said that 55% say that the experience will impact them for the rest of their lives. That is absolutely one of the most interesting pieces of the survey. I think this will be that formative event for many of these young people. Similarly, I think several generations prior, we saw this happen with, with the Great Depression crowd yes. who, were, who really started their lives or those, those who were young during those period of time, you saw decades on having similar approaches to savings, to attitudes. I, I think that this pandemic, perhaps not surprisingly, will have that long-term impact on this, on this demographic. And they told us this um, in the studies. Something interesting, you mentioned that your, your granddaughter was looking at healthcare, nursing perhaps, and now she wants to go into medicine as a doctor. And something that was pretty interesting, we always carve out a, a piece of our survey to speak to the graduating seniors, those who are, are right on the cusp of graduating. And a full one-third of those individuals had talked about what they're thinking in terms of career as they're you know, graduating high school. And a full third of them indicated that they had interest in healthcare or health sciences. I would imagine that's very likely because they see a lot of what these first responders have done. They are our present day heroes, in my opinion. They, you know, they really represent the best of what I think young people aspire to be when you're 18 years old. In that same question of the survey, we had a couple, I think it was something like 27% of respondents talked about their interest in employment in an area that is allows you to work from home or telecommuting and the importance that that you know the 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 lessons i draw from that is 
when they see people around them furloughed or out of work, and it's tied to what they do for a living, whether it's behind a desk or not, that that was certainly not lost on these young people as well. Well, I think that there was this collective feeling of young people and older people, it didn't really matter. It's one of the first times that everything has affected us worldwide. And they saw their parents, they saw their grandparents, the fear, the way that people have been addressing it, that one might think that they weren't really noticing, but what the survey shows is that they were engaged and they were watching what was happening. And I happened to hear on TV a couple of weeks ago, someone was talking about education and they said, oh, those are going to be the pandemic kids, the pandemic students. Right. And I thought, oh, they're going to get a, you know, they're going to get the, the, the what were they, the wartime babies and the, yes. <laughs> and all of that. Yes. So I do think it, it is going to, but I hope that and we can, we're going to take a break, but let's talk about when we come back, how the education system is, is going to change because there is the possibility for maybe even all communities or the underserved communities where these kids' education, because of the lack of ability or the lack of being able to transition into a different dynamic way of teaching could have an impact on the quality of the education that they receive. And we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Vivian Sai, and she is the chair for the College Savings Foundation. And we've been talking a little bit about education. And so many parents would like to have their children go to college and they were on a really good path to having helping them and having that happen. And of course, COVID-19 came and the pandemic and things are changing, but it's not just that parents are changing, kids are changing too. And when we talked a little bit earlier, Vivian said that she's got two teenage boys at home. And for many of my friends who have got the kids back again, they said, what happened to my empty nest? <laughs> So how's your empty nest going, Vivian? I've got, a, well, if you count the chickens in the backyard, we've got a very full nest. <laughs> um, yeah, I have to say the, 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 most jarring, uh, the most jarring experience has been having a full house again of what were independent college students living their independent life 300 miles away from me and now expecting to be fed every night by mom the dinner um it's it's more it's no longer <laughs> exactly exactly i'm spending more money i'm spending more time in the kitchen Everything about the empty nesting experience was a lie. Um, yes. <laughs> that said, you know, it, it really, if there's one thing you were uh, referencing in the last segment, it's this generation pandemic. I think that these kids are going to grow up with some sense of being able to be a little resilient. That's, that's what I'd like to think is going to be the outcome um, for this generation and because nothing in their lives right now is really set. The delivery of classes are what are called asynchronous. Both of my sons are taking asynchronous classes, which means that their professors upload classes at 
whatever time of day that that professor uploads it and the student gets to take it on their own time schedule and deliver homework and assignments on their own time schedule. So everything is fluid. So I'd like to think that resilience, the ability to keep up with the fluidity will be one of the positive outcomes for this generation. Um, and maybe not to have everything so perfect and rigid and exactly. scheduled. You know, these kids have grown up with hockey and soccer and baseball. And now all of a sudden, none of that is there. <laughs> Exactly. And um, that would be one of my arguments against having the dinner on the table every night at a specific time. I think I'm going to use that. But it really is. I mean, you've come to the screeching halt on quite a few of their, their life, lifelong activities. And so their ability to be able to weather all that is going to be tested and has been tested. And it is challenging. You know, I was talking to a friend just recently, and she has three boys that um, one is in high school and two were in college. And she said, you know, Karen, I would go to the grocery store and people would look at my cart like I was hoarding food. She said, I'm <laughs> eating a family again, three teenagers that are eating like crazy that, you know, COVID may have happened, but they're eating. And she said, I feel guilty at the grocery store because my cart's so full. And she said, and I'm not hoarding. It's just that I'm feeding. I've got kids eating morning, noon, and night. You should have seen me on my Costco runs early in the, <laughs> uh, in the uh, shutdown. And I think, you know, many parents are, I, I think there are many parents kind of like me who um, when my younger son graduated from high school, I really did think I was an empty nester. I was so enthusiastic, I went out and bought an empty nesting house, which meant that we had fewer bedrooms and fewer bathrooms, and now we're all on top of each other because we're all living in the empty nester house for the foreseeable future. So, so if there are any listeners considering this, Maybe they should wait a few years before they pull the trigger on that decision. <laughs> what, Vivian, what do you think the future looks like for education? I know that I've heard just what's happening with your sons is going to be happening with UWM Madison, that if they have more than, I think it was 40 students in a class, then they were going to do it online. And the whole experience, do you think that costs are going to go down? Do you think costs are going to go up? How do parents, how do parents plan for this? That's a great question because I think it's, it's the exact question we're all asking ourselves. I don't know in the short term if we're going to see any reduction in costs. I've seen, I t I, as you can imagine, I do follow this news pretty closely just because of the College Savings Foundation um, work that we do. But also as a parent, I think the first question is, why should I have to pay full bore um, tuition and fees when I'm not even on campus to avail of that five-star recreational center that, <laughs> that the university just invested in? Um, and I've been reading notices from universities saying that they're not making, you know, necessarily any changes to the tuition side of the house. So that's where, you know, parents have to make a decision about, say, housing. The university that, that my younger son goes to, the University of California at Berkeley, has similar to University of Wisconsin, 
decided to run a hybrid model this year and looks to have classes above a certain side being held remotely, but by the same token, opening some of the dormitories around campus for some socially distanced housing. Now, that said, I say this today and things change almost on a daily basis with many of the universities. So that is today's plan. And what does a parent do if they are sending their student or if their student um, is looking to be out of their house, but where will they live and will they live securely, safely in a community of other students? So it's really, um, it's a, it's a real dilemma for parents. Yeah. It's a financial dilemma, but it's also an emotional dilemma because you don't want to constrain your adult children or nearing adulthood children. But at the same time, we have to think about their health and also, you know, you want them close. Vivian, it takes three months to change a habit, they say, if you continuously are doing it over and over. And so in many ways, these kids have been home for a really long time. And it's always hard to launch a kid. And you launch that kid off to college and then that child comes back. Habits have changed. Um, they're being taken care of in many cases. They really weren't in a situation that they could go out and get a job and do anything. Mm -hmm. So they've been home and, and, and some people have thought that it has really taken some of their energy away and some of their motivation to go and do something, maybe creative or go to work or go to school. And it went in many ways sort of being a little bit coddled it's absolutely the case. I mean, uh, believe me, I have one son who's absolutely rigid about his schedule of when his laundry needs to be done, and the other one who will absolutely let it pile up till he's uh, perhaps <laughs> in need of a shopping trip because he doesn't want to do his laundry. So, yeah, all of these these habits kind of come into play and 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 this is why, and I'll, I'll take it back to the survey because I thought this was kind of interesting back to your um, comment earlier about 55% of these young people saying that it's going to impact this pandemic or this situation is going to impact them for quite a long time. I think that we will just as parents and people need to understand that this will take time because it's having such a significant impact on our young people that they will carry this experience with them for a while. That might mean that they're not going to get through college in four years. I've already resigned myself to that. Um, this might mean that their majors might change because perhaps they're studying a science that's lab oriented and they don't have access to labs and they, you know, we have to give, I think, this generation, whether it's generation P or pandemic, or I've heard the term quarantines, you know, this generation of young people are going to have this um, experience with them. And we're going to be patient, because that's what we all have to do um, during this time. Well, this whole, we're going to take a break, but this whole 
pandemic, this COVID-19 has been a series of dominoes falling. And we don't know when that last domino is going to fall. And it looks like it's going to take quite, quite some time. But I do, you know, I do think that if they're given a title and it's called the P generation or whatnot, or, or that they were enabled or that they didn't get the higher education, what I look at is how it's going to be formulated so that they aren't a generation that is considered the pandemic generation that maybe doesn't have the same qualities or the quality of education. And it could affect getting jobs, resumes, um, just those years. And that's the piece that I think we need to really think about and promote is the quality of education and where these kids are and that they still can go to school for four years or even if it's five and still get a good job and not be paying all of this tuition loans. Because so often, and I know you must see it, these kids, many kids come out of college with these huge bills and they can't even earn enough money from the job that they've selected. So I think what we'll do is we'll take a break. Let's come back and, and just look at some of the dominoes and what potentially could happen and how we can maybe change the, that course a little bit. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and the senior wealth advisor for Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Vivian Sai, and she is the chair of the College Savings Foundation. And the Savings Foundation spends a lot of time doing research to determine how to save, um, how students are looking at it, what's happening with the marketplace, and the College Savings Foundation is on our radio show at least twice a year because there isn't anything much more important than our kids and worrying about education and how is it, how is it going to unfold. And so many of our, I'm a grandma, actually I've got a, a great granddaughter, and I know that I've started a 529 plan for each one of them and with the hopes of contributing money and as it grows over time to help my kids have some funding available for kids, but it's really hard to know when they're little, you know, what will they require? What will they be interested in? And now here we are in a pandemic. And even if children do have money for education, parents are wondering, do I want to spend it if they're not having the experience? And the nice thing about that money is that it can be used for another child. There's a lot of flexibility and Vivian, you could even go into that a little bit, but I'm curious as to what does education look like and how can, how do you think it's going to change at least in the next year or two? And we don't want our kids to be thought of as not getting adequate education because of the pandemic. Yeah, and and I think the higher ed institutions um, and even uh, secondary schools and high schools are putting a lot of effort into that to try to allow kids and young people to get the educations that they need. We're hoping that this is not going to be a lost generation. I think with technology and the fact that Zoom and Canvas and all these terminologies that I hear my young people throwing around the house, that they are getting the quality of education that they need. But what's equally important is the ability to network and the ability to see and meet other people from whom to learn about the opportunities out there. And so that's why I think it's, it's 
it is important, it's a focus in many of these institutions to get kids back to campus safely and to be able to spend money on campus and have them build the communities that they will use um, for the rest of their lives. We're still, I, I mentioned before, that tuition doesn't look like it's coming down. Students are continuing to, um, to pay out for, um, for higher ed, and your average student loan debt for graduating students in the year 2020 is around $36,000 a year. So it's important that these young people come out with the skills that they need in order to be able to service that debt um, and support their own lifestyles and potentially their own families in the next 10 uh, to 20 years. So, you know, I, I can appreciate your comment around 529 plans and the fact that you're such a generous grandmother. You see this a lot and um, that 529 plans are such great gifting vehicles for families. And they're tax-free, absolutely. <laughs> and in some states, that, you know, state of Wisconsin is one of them, you get an attractive tax benefit for contributing to your in-state 529 plan. So it really becomes a no-brainer. There are 34 states in this country who offer a tax incentive for you to invest in your own state plan. And there are no bad 529 plans. If you've got the tax incentive, and this is earmarked dollars for a young person, there's a statistic out that there was a survey done by Washington University in St. Louis a couple years ago that spoke to the idea that even if it's just a couple of hundred dollars, a student has seven times more chances to take on post-secondary education, and that's anything from four-year college to two-year to a vocational school, if that student has money saved in his or her name. And that would be a perfect vehicle investment for that as a 529 plan. Because as you mentioned, the flexibility, 529 plan savings can pay for everything from tuition and fees to the computers, the iPads, um, the pencil and paper that is needed to get through a student's day. It's a wonderful gift. It's a it wonderful really gift. is. So you can contribute a portion of it. You know, I always think that the kids have so many things already and to give a smaller gift and a larger contribution for birthdays and Christmas holidays um, into their 529 plans is really, really is, it makes me feel good doing it. And it makes me feel that when I'm not here because I have very young um, grandchildren as well, that there's sort of a legacy moving forward. We're going to take another quick break in just a bit. And I just want your thoughts on, since you have children, boys, I've talked to some of my friends and they're worried if these kids take a gap year that they may not go back to school because they get making money, they get a paycheck, they've sort of set up their routine of going to work or whatever they're doing. And um, so the gap year seems to be something that a lot of kids are thinking about. I'm not quite sure how that's going to work in terms of there's so many people out of work now already looking for jobs, but that seems to be an, an option. But 
for some kids, it might not always be the best option. And with that, we'll be right back. My guest today is Vivian Tsai, and she is the chair of the College Savings Foundation. And of course, education is such an important piece. And before we took the break, I talked about some of my friends really um, fearing this gap year. And as I was talking to Vivian during the break, I realized that she brought up such a great point and it's even more important than that whole gap year because the kids aren't worried about the gap year. It's the parents that are worried about the gap year. And it's the parents who are worried that their child may not continue on with education and have a dream in their head as to what this path for this child looks like. And as I said, my grandson was in college and he, it wasn't his time. It wasn't, now he may go back and he may not, but it wasn't. And I know that my daughter had a hard time wrapping her arms around that because she had conditioned herself and even conditioned him. College was the only answer. And I will say that I've had those conversations with my, my kid, one of my sons in the past as well. This is the thing. This is what I tell my friends who get stressed out when their kid either wants to do something that they haven't planned for their entire lives um, or come up with this idea of a gap year is that we need to let the kids live their own lives. We've managed and micromanaged their lives for so many years. We've gotten them to, we think is a great point for them to launch off and start their own lives. And so I would tell, I tell my friends who, who stress, let them take that gap year. They're going to be so much more interesting afterwards. If they take a gap year and have a hard time finding a job, then that will be all the more reason for them to get back and get an education because maybe that is the difference. Or if they take that gap year and find that uh, a, a brand new vocation, that might itself change their lives. And so why not let them do that? And you had talked about, um, which was startling to me, that so many of these children are on medications to cope with stress and to cope with what they should be doing or what they want to be doing and making those choices. And I think that I know that I read a while back that suicides in colleges was really rising. And that, is, yeah. that makes me that so we here we think that this experience is going to be the end all be all. And for some students, it's not. And, and it's not. Um, I live in California and college culture and, and being accepted into the right schools and doing the right activities is part of, it's not a California thing. It's, it's an American thing. This is what we expect of our children. And the pressures that we have put on our parents, I see just in the time I spend with some of these young people or just anecdotal stories that I hear from my parents who are friends. Kids are seeing therapists at high rates. They are taking medication for depression. And so those are the kinds of things that should be red flags to us as parents and say, listen, this, this pandemic, this pause, whatever it is for us, this might be the break we need and the wake-up call we need so that we look and say, listen, it's okay to take our time. We're on a race to nowhere. 
if this is the way we're going. Education should be a journey. It's not a destination. I don't know about you, but I'm in no way, shape, or form thrilled about the idea of taking on six figures of education debt. If my kid is not sure where they want to be or what they want to do. So why not take a year off? Let that savings account, that 529 plan can grow in perpetuity as we know. So why not? Why be in a rush? Let's enjoy the journey and not race for that destination. And I think you said it so eloquently that it is their path, that it is their journey. And the experiences that they have will just further their education differently than maybe we expected, but they will be a different person. Absolutely. What is the one thing that you might say to our listeners? We just have a minute or so left that you would encourage them as we move into this next few years, which are so uncertain for us as to what the impact will be. I think we will just continue to be the parents that our kids need. We need to be around for them to be, um, to guide our kids, to maybe fund our kids' experiences, and to be patient with them. I, I think that that is the biggest lesson out of all of these last two to three months. Um, and I think that it, we've been to my daughter this morning, telling her that I was interviewing you, Vivian, you know, she said the one thing she's had to do with her daughter, Mia, is just continue to ask questions and be curious and not make statements of what she should do or shouldn't do, but to continue to be curious and ask her what she's interested in and what she's been doing and to keep the, the playing field level and meet them where they're at. Absolutely. My guest today is Vivian Sai, and she is the chair of the College Savings Foundation. I didn't say earlier, but Vivian has been involved in education savings business since 2007. She's worked with 529 plans in many facets of the financial industry. So today she comes to us as an expert, but she also came to us as a mother. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. I think we should all be talking about it more. I've, I have a son who's dealt with depression since his junior year. I get very emotional. And it, you know, he, it was a real wake-up call to me to say, listen, some people need to take it slower. And we need to be okay with that. And not put them on this path of this is the way you're going to go. And, and I think one of the things that I've really benefited from having them both home, even though we're all on top of each other, has just been such a gift. Yes. But it really has been a gift. It's a gift for everyone. And I hope people think of Everybody it that way. Everybody has been saying that. Everybody's yeah. sitting down and eating together and yeah. talking and having conversations has been really great because we're really trying to do exactly what you just today to humanize all of the things that are happening out there that people don't know how to, how to get their arms around. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that you went there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to our COVID-19 edition of Money Sense. Our goal is to provide valuable information so that you can feel more confident in your financial decisions. You can listen to this show and any that you may have missed at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. 
To discuss these topics and more with one of our wealth advisors, call us at 262-691-3200 or visit ellenbecker.com for a complimentary consultation.